0: You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell, Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week is Connor McCauley. Connor is a 20 year old from Mornington in County Mead. At the age of three and a half, Connor was diagnosed with a very rare disease called Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy. I have gotten to know Connor over the last two years or so. And just like me, he's a positive person who always looks on the positive side of things. I'm delighted to have Connor on this show today because I know his story is going to help people out there. Even people struggling with the same disease as him. People who have bad mental health and people who are struggling with their mental health. Connor shows that even if you're in a dark place struggling at times, that you can bounce back and come out stronger and a better person on the other side. I suppose we'll start off. If you want to tell tell me a bit about yourself for for the for the listeners, just a quick background.
1: Yeah, so I'm Connor here. Um, my condition is Duchenne muscular dystrophy, so that's what I really do talk about through my Instagram, and that's what I talk about my personal story. Um, I was diagnosed with it in 2005 at the age of three and a half. Um, It was after a year and a half of my mom um, sort of bringing me to the doctor because she knew something was wrong. I couldn't really walk much. And when I did, I was walking on my toes and I I kept falling over. So she was worried. And then eventually we got that diagnosis. Right now, I'm doing well. I'm doing good. Um, I'm just keeping, what am I saying? I'm keeping, I'm keeping good. I'm keeping well. um, Keeping the head up. Keeping the head up. Exactly. Keeping the head up. Um, through COVID and everything it's been tough I've had to cocoon and stuff so it's been mentally stressful for me but I think it's given me a time to sort of grow as a person which I've really enjoyed that part of it but yeah it's been really tough
0: Yeah I think during COVID as well I think a lot of people they kind of found out a lot about themselves even you know even any other person out there like you kind of, you kind of see how strong you are especially like yourself now and myself you know cocooning you kind of it's, it's only then you kind of realize that the things that you actually have and what matters doesn't it
1: yeah exactly like i've really held tight the things that really matter to me and especially living the way that i do and having to cocoon as, as you have yourself and um, it's been a struggle, as I've said, but there's been so much good things out of it as well. Um, I was doing a PLC in college, I got to do a year of college, I got to finish up school. Um, I never said the and serve, but sure, that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, it's been a really good journey, especially I've started doing my content through COVID. So that's what I've sort of started doing. And I I wanted to sort of inspire people and um maybe inspire people that are in the same position as me.
0: Yeah, no, and I know, and I see the work that you're doing on Instagram and stuff, and it's great to kind of raise awareness and stuff about it, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it really is. Um, It's to raise awareness for others with my condition and similar types of disabilities. I think that's really important. Um, They're really about my own story and sort of overcoming the many battles I've faced, but I just want to inspire people and hope maybe they relate to something that I've said or, or done. Um, And that's really my aim
0: with my content online yeah no i am um, i see your the stuff you're doing and the messages and the comments and stuff it's all all positive so so just goes to show that you are helping people and it's it's amazing the amount of people that pages out there the people they help that aren't following them do you know like mm-hmm, you see yeah. the the comments from followers and stuff but it's 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 only when you Look into your reach and stuff on instagram do you realize how many people are actually seeing seeing your stuff going back to school was um how did you did you find school was it because i think school is either for you or it's not for you like in my own my own case it wasn't it wasn't for me like i never i never liked school what was what was it
1: like for you it's to be honest, I had a really hard time growing up as a teenager. I think it was everything I was going through and I couldn't really accept what I was going through. Um and it made that that's what made it really tough. Always schoolwork was sort of in the background, but I'm I'm not a very big worker in any way. So it, it was never gonna be if I didn't have these problems, I don't think I would have been the type to um stay and focus and study and stuff because that's just not it's not who I am. Um, school, as I say, like it wasn't work, wasn't for me, but it was so tough. Everything else going on, um, my condition was changing all the time. Um, my body was getting weaker, so it was really hard to concentrate and keep up with my peers because that's what I, I really wanted to do at that time. All I wanted to do was be like them and not stand out. But ever since I have left school, I've sort of grown up and matured, and it's been a really long journey to get to where I am now but school it wasn't for me but it's a a really great story to tell them years of my life
0: yeah I think same now as myself it just goes to show like the things that myself and yourself are achieving like I think that in school people think it's the the be all and end all you know but there's I know I know it's important and stuff like but it just goes Mm -hmm. to show that it's not everything I think sometimes people put Put too much pressure on themselves in school because they think that there's there's going to be an unhealth out there in in the world after school. So it's good to to show people that as well. Um, going back to to when you got diagnosed with um your condition, I was reading on online. Is this is it mainly males that get it, or I think that's what I was reading. Is that?
1: Yeah, it's it's mainly males do get my condition. It can be females can get it in rare cases, but it's it's like very rare. So it's mostly boys that get get the condition. Um, it's a very hard condition to sort of understand. A lot of people don't understand it because it is progressive. So it is it is progressive as weakness goes over time. So I I understand it is hard for people to one day see it maybe walking and then the next day you're in a wheelchair and you're not walking anymore. I think it can be very confusing.
0: Have you, um, have you seen a massive difference in your, in yourself over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, I I really have seen a massive difference in myself. I think it was really my turning point was when I was 17 and I fell and broke my femur. I think that one, that was a really big thing for me. Um, Before that, I I never really accepted my wheelchair and I wouldn't really use it. Um, I was in this phase of I just couldn't get my head around it. I think I was very scared and very afraid of what my life could be if if I got that into my head. And I just I just couldn't see my picture myself in, in that position. So it was really tough. Then after the, the femur break, I think I started to accept my chair because I was in the chair for about four or five months. My full time walking days were, were really over. So I had to accept it and adjust and realize that it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be.
0: Yeah, I was the I was the exact same. When I was in um when I was in hospital, I remember the physio came up to me and she goes, Ian, we're gonna we're going to fit you for your chair. And I, I kind of looked at her and I, I think I had myself, myself convinced that I wouldn't need it and that I'd be, I'd mm-hmm. be all better again in a, in a, in a week or two. But I was the same at the very start that I didn't accept my chair either. But, um, it's only over time you, I suppose you've no other, you've no other choice. And that's, it's just part of, part of life. You know, it's, it's it's a, it's not who you are. It's just how you get around, and like I see new views in a quote a good few times. You said, "It's it's part of you, but it's not all of you."
1: Yeah, I, I have used that quote a lot of times. Um, I think it was it was me as well, sort of getting my head around and sort of saying to myself, um, that it isn't all of you. It is only only a part of you, as as I say, and I think. You need to realize that in your own head until you can feel comfortable around people. And that that's one of the things I find, found really tough. I couldn't accept myself. So how are other people going to accept me if, if I couldn't even do it myself? So that was a, a big learning curve as well. Um, but as I say, now I, I'm doing good. I'm keeping positive. But it's it's a really good story to sort of tell that maybe you're not always going to be in the position that you you think you're going to be in, but you can make the most out of it. Exactly.
0: Um, From the leg break was the, I suppose, given your condition, was your bones probably a bit weaker when you, when you did fall, was the bone more vulnerable or would that have made?
1: Yeah. So it it would have been more vulnerable. Um, As I said, well, I haven't said this. Um, I've had my chair around me all my life, but I started to sort of reject it around when I was going into my early teenage years. I think it was the constant pressure, um, social pressure, you you know them type of things that you face when you're like a young teenager. I think I just couldn't handle that and I tried to hide my chair away. Uh, I wouldn't even look at my chair or use it. So as I said, after the femur break, that's when I sort of accepted the chair. But I've I've always sort of had the chair around me. Um, but was always sort of more hidden away when I came to my young teenage years. I wanted to look a certain way or be a certain way, which looking back, the peer pressure is, is horrible. But you can really I I I regret that that type of part of me where I tried to change myself because in the long run it never works out for you. So my my sort of thing would be just to be yourself really be yourself and don't make mistakes that i made
0: 100 percent. i was the same with my my power chair because i drive mine with my head you can probably see there on each side of my head and i i remember when i got it at first i was really self-conscious of of the two things on the side of my head that people would be looking at them and i didn't use this chair for about two years i was just sitting in the room i was using my push chair and i had to to wait for somebody to be pushing me all the time and stuff, and it's looking back now. I've the, the exact same as you that I'd hate for somebody to think that, and that's two years of a bit of independence that they'd have lost, just like me. Was the um was the rehabilitation intense after the fall?
1: Yeah, it was it was a a bit of a strange one because I got told you would be easier, easier giving up on walking. But I did end up walking not full time, but I was able to to walk around my house, say. And that was a big achievement for me. But rehab sort of thing. It was more physio, constant uh, hospital and doctor appointments, which I would mostly have around the year in any way. So to me, I was sort of used to that, but it was more of. The cast so i had the cast i had a a long cast so it was it was it was pretty funny though because it would kick into everything so the the way the cast was out like it was like full-on stretched out so you couldn't fit in any anywhere or anything so i would be maybe going into school and i would go into lift and you would barely be able to actually fit in the lift so there was some funny things about it but that's just me trying to make light of it now but um, at the time, as I say, like it was really tough and the rehabilitation was really hard. I would only go into school for two hours each day because I, I, it would take me a long time to get ready in the morning and take me a long time to prepare for school because you would have to get everything done as well. It wouldn't be just um, getting ready and dressed. You'd have to get all your books and everything. So that was really tough. but. As rehabilitation goes, it wasn't the worst. It was it was okay. It was it wasn't it wasn't as bad as maybe at the time I
0: And like you said with the with the cast you have to make kind of lighthearted about about these kind of things. Do you know, like I'm always I'm always having a joke about things like the last day my teacher said, What do you want to be when you grow up? I said a stand up comedian she <laughs> she kinda of looked at me, she didn't know what to say, but you you have to kind of you know, have to make a joke about about these things as well sometimes. And um I think that's important because it kinda takes half the battle when you're when you're able to do that kind of stuff yourself. Um when you were going through all of your um say rehab and stuff and uh, you were obviously more restricted in the things you could do with the cast, um did mental health ever kick in for you like did it ever kick in or did you ever struggle with it going through it?
1: Yeah, I think before that that time, I actually struggled with it a lot more. I would say my first three years in secondary school, I was really struggling with mental health. I, I was sort of having a, a bit of a breakdown at that age. Um, it was so tough. And as I say, with everything going on in my condition, trying to keep up with school, trying to keep up with family, friends, it was it was all... A lot for me to handle so especially with the cast I think it was really tough maybe the first month or two but after that I think I just accepted who I was and that I was going to use the chair a lot more and my life wasn't going to be the same maybe as before as I could sort of hide my chair away so I I think I got to that point where I accepted that after struggling with my mental health for so long I think that's why i was able to maybe deal it better than i would have been able to um
0: i suppose like you said a lot of people do struggle with mental health and and it's so important to to speak out you know a lot of people kind of bottle it up and stuff did you did you find when you spoke out and talked to people about it did it did it help you
1: yeah, I think it, it helped me a lot. I think as I as I've said, um, it was sort of that stage of like accepting myself. So it took a long time to accept myself. So then others could really accept me. Um, but it all really, I think the first time I sort of spoke out was in a, in a public speaking class. Actually, um, I, I did a speech about my condition, and people were coming up to me after it saying, "Wow, like that's that's amazing, that's great." And and that was before my femur break. So. I was sort of starting to accept it maybe a month or two before that. Um, so that's really how I spoke out and how I actually did, it does like, it did really help me. Um, and it really did let me get my sort of head around everything.
0: I think that's the, I think that's the hardest part is, is the first time you do reach out for help and speak out. Cause I think once you, once you do speak out, it takes away, away that for chest and stuff. um, Moving on to social media now, you're kind of you're like myself, you know, sharing your story and your your own life and stuff. Um when did you start, say, publicly speaking on Instagram and stuff? And when did you realize that hold on a minute here, I might be in a wheelchair and I mightn't be able to do everything others can do, but I can help? When did you realize that you can help people through facing adversity?
1: I think really when it when it kicked in for me was the start of um the pandemic i think there was so much bad out in the world at that time and i felt like i could make a difference to somebody out there and i I really wanted to um that's when i sort of decided to start my social media journey and share posts and i didn't really know what to expect from it i was thinking okay maybe i'll share one or two posts and That'll be fine. But I'm I'm still doing it today and it's really fun. I actually have a really good time doing it. And I think people do relate to the content. I really do. So I'm really proud of that. And it's it's been really fun actually collaborating with other people. Um, but that's that is how I sort of started my social media journey was the start of COVID. And as I said, I didn't know if I was going to keep it going, but I ended up being where I am now, and I'm flying.
0: <laughs> you are on radio, Kerry. On radio, Kerry. You um, you've gotten a good few opportunities to speak with people and stuff, um, on different occasions. And I've listened to a good few interviews. I listened to one actually recently about some some interview on Spotify. Anyway, I got it, it was on a podcast. But do you think it's do you think it's something that you'll going on to the future speaking about your condition in public speaking?
1: Yeah, I think so. I'd love to get on a lot more, um, do a lot more radio and speak on a lot more radio. I want to sort of keep it as a, as a side career. Um, I'd actually love to have a career in radio as well. Um, being a music specialist, that would be sort of my area that I'd want to go into. Um, but definitely, yeah, definitely on the side, I want to keep doing a radio chats. Um want to do public speaking. I want to speak out to people and just try to inspire people or try help somebody who's struggling.
0: Yeah, and I think throughout COVID and stuff and even not through COVID and in the world in general these days that there's so much bad going on on social media and on Instagram and stuff and these people, you know, keyboard warriors and giving hate and stuff, but on the other hand, the likes of yourself, there's the good side of it as well and the positive side. Do you, um, how have you dealt with any hate online? Like in my case, I, I get messages every day. It could be from a fellow in America or anywhere in the world. And he he's out of nowhere like he wouldn't have a profile picture and it's just hate comments. Have you experienced any of that online?
1: I've only experienced it a couple of times. I've been really lucky. Um, my platform isn't as grown as yours so um, I've been lucky in that way to not get the hate comments but I'm, I'm sort of prepared for it happening because that's the way social media is nowadays, it's terrible to say but it, it has gone to a point where you're expected to get it at least once or twice a day if you're a person a, a big person on the platform um, but no, personally me, I, I haven't really received any it would always be as you say, you get these random messages um, in your message box, like request box, and you read them and then just delete them. But it, it wouldn't really get to my head because I know I'm sort of inspiring people and some people just like to hate for no reason.
0: Yeah. And I think I was the same as you when I before I experienced my first one, I thought I was talking to a few people that have a grown, say, audience on Instagram and a large following, they were saying. It's amazing the thing social media can do, like the like working with brands, but they just told me that it's important that you have to be ready because you know, if you're any bit if you take stuff to heart that it can it can be it can be really tough, like we've seen all the bad stuff on like Caroline Flack and stuff, you know. Yeah, of course. Her case and stuff, and it's so, it's so sad and it's so bad to say, but it's becoming the norm that Hate is just taking over the good on social media and stuff, but I think mm-hmm. once you're once you're able to to put it off, you're like water off a duck's back, and to be thick skinned, I think that's that's really important. Um, have you have you noticed yourself growing up through school and stuff that you've managed to say not take not take as many things to to heart and stuff, and you've accepted it more.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think maybe because I have had such a, a rough past few years, that maybe that has helped me in that case of if I do receive some hate, I would just it would go to the back of my head um, most of the time. I think, yeah, it's it's because of that. And because you're grown up in school, there would be people maybe looking at you or maybe sneering at you and you would get used. To that. I think even from when I was a young kid, that was happening. So I think i would always try to put it to the back of my mind but back then i would know no sort of it was happening and that's how i've come to where i am sort of now and how sort of i'm able to just block that out and not let it affect me
0: um moving on i suppose we'll talk about you have any um any hobbies you like doing to to pass the time i know you're a uh, a massive Liverpool fan. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you off on that one. But um, I know you've been to over to Anfield and stuff. Do you have any? Do you have any other hobbies? FIFA, PlayStation, anything like that? I
1: actually do play a bit of PlayStation. Yeah, I actually changed to an Xbox recently. Um, I don't. I don't know why I did that. But um, yeah, I, I do play a bit of FIFA and a bit of games on on the Xbox. Um, FIFA would be the main one. Then there'd be some other little games, and um, that I would I would play on there. Music is actually a big hobby of mine. Um, I'm a big music fan. Um, as I said to you a few minutes ago, I'd love to be a, a music specialist on a on a radio show. So I would know all sort of the dates of music, and and it would be really easy for me to relate to and remember. I always say one thing as well. When I I was blocking everybody out and I really had nobody, I always had music. It was always. Music blaring out in my speakers, um, but yeah, as I say, Xbox music. I won't mention the football because I know, I know you're a United supporter. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll just leave that out there, okay? I, I won't, I won't say anything about that. But yeah, I, I'm a really simple going person, though. Like, what I love going out for air as well. Like, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but yeah, as I say, that's that's really all I'm. I'm sort of into and sort of do.
0: I'm the same going out for um out for fresh air and a walk just clears your head. i find this I find this unreal. I go out there in the morning and throw on the on the headphones um like you were saying, music's a massive part of your life did you i like I know myself music that i can you hear some songs or artists that you can you can just relate to like you know when you were going through a bad time maybe the the singer is singing about that and stuff was music always from a young age, even before you were in a wheelchair and stuff was always, was it always something you were into?
1: Yeah, it was always something I was into. Um, I just don't know what it is, but music, it's, it sometimes can take you to another place. Um, especially when you're trying to, you're having a hard time or, you're, or you, you can really like relate to the person that's singing the song sometimes and um, the lyrics of the song. Um, I think for me, as I say, it's it's always been sort of a help, and especially knowing when I was younger that I was different as well, and that I was I was sort of made to feel like I, w- I wasn't the same, even though now I would sort of say, um, I'd say a different different thing about that altogether, um, that people with disabilities are all, they're like anybody else, you know, and I, I think people need to realise that, but at that time, at that age, I, I think stigma around disability was a lot different. Like if you go back 10 or, or 20 years ago, like totally different. Um, so yeah, music did really help me and it's always been a big part of my life. And I'm hoping to go to, to more concerts um, soon. Um, I didn't go to concerts for a long time. So ever since COVID, I said to myself, one thing I want to do is go to gigs and go to, go listen to artists live. And that's, yeah, one of, one of my goals. <laughs> Who
0: was um? Who'd be your favourite artist? Were you at any concerts before all of this COVID started?
1: Yeah, my last concert was twenty seventeen. I went to see Drake, which I I actually do like Drake's music. Um, but my music can go so so weird. Like it can go from late nineties music to music now. Like I have such a, a range of music taste. Um. But after COVID, who have, I, who have I gone to see? I've actually gone to see Gary Barlow, which I do like. Gary Barlow, I think he's a good songwriter. A good um, guy, I like him. Yeah, I, I think he's pretty good. But after that, it's sort of my favorite artist is The Weekend at the moment. Um, I really like him, and I I really liked his album um, Starboy. That was a really good album at the time, and that's when I was really struggling as well. So that would be one thing I'd go back to, sort of from school and listen to.
0: All night <laughs> long. I'd be the same as you. I could go from anywhere from rap to nineties to now. I like a bit of country western, like anything. I wouldn't be a I wouldn't be a Garret Brooks a massive Garret Brooks fan now or anything. But um, I'd be the same as you. Music, psychotherapy. Like How would you find them? Um, you said you like going out for walks and stuff, even traveling around different parts of Ireland, how would you find wheelchair accessibility, say footpaths or going into shops and stuff do you find it?
1: To be honest, sometimes it's not great. Um, Sometimes you can get great footpaths but then you have a step into a shop or it could be the either way around um, which can be really frustrating. I think for people who have disabilities especially us as wheelchair users, we really need to plan ahead and look up things and sort of search around for what the area is going to be like. The last place I went to in Ireland was actually Dingle in Kerry, so oh. that was really nice. Actually, I really you take Fungi your really back up to me with Joe. Yeah, I did. I, I seen him. I seen him. Actually, it was about one or two months after. Sadly, he he went missing. I, I know he passed away since, but um, <laughs> yeah, he went missing. So poor Fungi, but um, yeah, it was it was lovely Dingle, and I think the accessibility was actually. Pretty well in parts. Parts of Dingle, I have to say, it was pretty well. Like the the harbour and stuff was was pretty good. Um, but going out places, you need to plan ahead, especially going on buses or trains or anything as well. I think that's non-existent for some people who are in our position, and I don't I don't blame them. Um, because it's it's so hard to do. But I think we need to, as a country, sort of get better and. I understand there's like some historic landmarks and stuff that we have to keep, but even to have a back entrance to a ramp would be nice.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, there's some footpaths here, even in my town of Killarney. There are some great ones, but then there are some ones you'd be you'd be nearly on two wheels going up the up yeah. the footpath. But I think it's only when you're in the in the position, like in a wheelchair, that you kind of you you realise like the things you didn't think of before even like you say, little steps or little lips going up onto a footpath or just the, th- the smallest things ever even some you go to some restaurants and the wheelchairs they're not accessible the toilets and it's only when yeah. you're in the position something that i i can't stand is when people park in the disabled spots with no no yeah. badge do you ever do you
1: experience that yeah, I, I do experience it quite a bit. You would try to get parking as, as close as you can to the place because of usually the paths because they're so bad most of the time. And then you would see somebody parked there and you'd you would sometimes want to look for the person because they'd be parked and you, you want to go into the shop center and say, Hey, you don't like you don't park there, like you're not meant to park there. Um that can be so annoying and I I don't blame you on that because we really need our parking spaces and especially when they um go over the parking space or say you're at a restaurant or something i know outdoor dining has become like a really big thing because of covid but when they get rid of the wheelchair spots i just don't think it's on
0: no it's not it's crazy um and like like we were saying it's only when you're in when you're in the position you kind of you you realize that have you been abroad to many many countries as a wheelchair user
1: Yeah, as I said, when I was younger, I would have brought my wheelchair, but I wouldn't have always used it. And then I got to that phase when I was a teenager where I sort of like rejected it. But after that, my first sort of holiday back in the chair after my my first break, I I had a hip break actually as well this year. So it's been sort of like an eventful time. As if COVID wasn't enough, like... Yeah, exactly. Like it's been so strange. But um, yeah, I travelled to Lanzarote. I went to Lanzarote twice. Um, two different parts of Lanzaray, which were so nice. And I I found them actually really good for accessibility. Like they had great paths. I I know most of it was sort of cycling paths, but us as wheelchairs, we can use them as well. So We still have wheels, don't we? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like we can use them as well. So they are really good, um, good done, And they had like big like promenades and stuff done, which were so nice. Um, But that's been the only place I've really been to. Um and I've also been obviously to Anfield as you mentioned earlier. Um, that's not the greatest outside the ground for accessibility, to be honest. You have people walking one way, people walking the other way, and you're trying to even find a path. But that's the way football grounds really are. Like it, it's it's crazy. Well, soccer grounds, I really are. Um, but Liverpool one and Liverpool City Centre is really accessible, so I'd really like suggest that to somebody if they wanted to go somewhere. Um, that's a really nice place to be, and if you're not into into the football or the soccer, as I should say, you don't have to go to Anfield. So yeah, Liverpool's a nice spot if you're if you're not going to do that for a while. three years.
0: Um, talk to me a bit about you were saying you'd like to go into radio as a as a career. Have you um? Would I be right in saying that you spent a week in a course in radio, Kerry?
1: Yeah, I did indeed, actually. Um we got to talk to some of the some of the people you were with Ian, and it was a really cool experience. Um it was four or five of us with all different stories. We all came from different parts of Ireland and we got to do a show, um the Saturday morning show. We got to sort of write it out and say what we wanted on the show and we if we wanted to speak and wanted to do our thing, um, we got to do that, and I got to speak for ten minutes, which was a really cool experience. And especially with the presenters and stuff we had, they were they were great to to work with. Like everybody was so nice. And
0: was it Joe that was with you?
1: Yeah, it was Joe. Yeah,
0: Joe. Um, um he's lovely, isn't he? He was. He was over. He was over me in my in my year and a half course that I done in radio. He um he himself and another man, Connie Bradrick, they were, they were both over me, but they went above and beyond. Did you, did you find, did you find it was something that you, you loved?
1: Yeah, I I really did like it. Connie was actually there as well. Um, sorry for forgetting you, Connie. but yeah, (laughs) you were there as well. But, um, yeah, I, I found them really supportive and really helpful. Like I would send Joe, uh, one, I'd send one of them an email, and um, they'd be really like back to me straight away, and they'd be really supportive and really helpful. Even if I needed something, they would, you know, do it, do it for me. And um, if I couldn't do a certain thing, they would, they would do it for me and show me how to do it. So, yeah, they they did go above and beyond. So fair play to both of them. And I had a really good week doing that course. It's
0: important to to show as well, like people, like like yourself and the other the other four or five that on the, the week course, it just goes to show that with a disability, you can still, you can still go on and do stuff like that. Cause I remember when I was doing the course and I said to Connie and Joe, I said, like, I won't be able to use any of the faders around the desk and the buttons and stuff. And they were like, most presenters don't like there's somebody producing the show for them. But it mm. was, it was something that was always in the, in the back of at the back of my mind and stuff. When I was doing the course, was this, was it kind of eye opening to the amount of work that goes into radio behind the scenes? Because I know myself that I was, I was shocked. Like, did you, did you think there was so much going on behind?
1: Yeah, there was so much going on. You, you don't realize, you think you go into a radio just to speak, but no, you have the editing, you have the audio recordings, you have the whole making the show pitching the show having to get the ideas down on paper and knowing exactly what you're going to say and what you're going to do and um, people yeah as I said as well like I would have found it I would have thought oh my god that looks so easy like I really want to do this that looks like great to do but it's one of the hardest jobs I have to say it um, I did a PLC in film production so I would thought that was going to be an easy thing as well and no I had so much work and effort behind it so no, it it's a very hard job to do.
0: Were you um did I did I see something on Instagram Are you doing something in Today
1: FM? Yeah, I'm doing a course actually on radio. It's a it's a 10 week course. Um it's called the Skill of Radio so I've been doing that for the past few weeks. Um it's really they get in presenters and they tell you about radio and they tell you what to expect and how it's not as easy as, as you think it is. Um, so that has been really fun, and there's a couple of projects and stuff that you have to do as part of your assignment of the course. Um, so that's been a really good experience to want to do radio and sort of get into a career in that. I think this year I've sort of taken my time out, and I've I've worked all year. I've been able to get a job from very good people that actually heard me on on LMFM when I when I did LMFM and they really? gave me a job. Yeah, because. I said on the radio at the time I was looking for a job and people should like hire people with disabilities and they gave me a job. So that's what I've sort of been doing this year. And I've been able to do many courses like the Today FM radio course. So it's been like really fun and it's really enjoyable to me to do radio. And that's what I want to
0: do. Yeah, all the like we were saying, the bad stuff in COVID, but like you said there, the amount of stuff that you got fitted in while COVID is on, the amount of good stuff you know, it's not all doom and gloom and it's not all bad things that happened during COVID, you know, are still productive and stuff. Um twenty twenty two, have you any goals that I'm asking everybody that I'm, that I'm interviewing, have you any goals that you've set or is it just gonna be the same doing the same thing or anything set?
1: I think really my goals are to keep growing my Instagram platform. I think that's one of my goals to keep posting, um, inspiring stuff, and hopefully, as I said, it relates to people. I want to hopefully get over to Anfield again. Hopefully, I'm <laughs> hoping I can I can manage. I'll that bring it to it. Old Trafford if you want. <laughs> yeah, I'll come over to Old Trafford. That's fine. I'll just skip Anfield. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'd love to get more experience in. More radio, so hopefully I do start a PLC in some form of studying media or radio, um, this year as well. I would also love to do more appearances. I'd I'd love to do the late late show as well. That's that's one of my goals. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. <laughs> um, I don't think it will
0: happen either. So,
1: <laughs> but they're they're really my goals, and to keep healthy and hopefully my my body doesn't um disappoint me too much i hope i stay strong and stay fit and stay healthy and that's really what my goals are for 2022
0: that's the main thing isn't that your health is your wealth like they say and it's it's so true you know you can have you can have everything in the world you can have the lamborghinis and the the yachts and stuff but at the end of the day what do they matter when you're not healthy you can't use any of them so i think exactly. the, the saying your health is your wealth is it's so true um for people with the same condition as you know that have that are in a bad place at the moment like you were struggling before or with mental health um can you give them any advice on how to overcome that from from say from your experience
1: I would say to them that life is so short and live it really well you can because life can change in in an instant as you would know in um that's one thing that I do always say to people, because I think people think that it's gonna be a thing of you're gonna be in this situation forever, but you you end up- like accepting things and things do get better, so that that would be sort of my message for people to say things do get better and um, stay strong, just know in your mind that your body may be failing your but your mind isn't so. That's that's one important thing I would say.
0: Like they say, your your body can can almost overcome and go overcome and cross anything. It's your it's your mind you've to convince. And I I've learned from my experience that what you like your mind. It's the it's I think it's the most important thing in your in your whole body because you can't do nothing without without your mind and having a mindset. So. I think once the the head is right upstairs, the rest kind of follows it, so I think that's that you're right that um that it it will get better, and you might be struggling now, but like they say it can't rain forever and um, before you go, is there a place where people can can get you online on your Instagram or YouTube or anything that if they want to go and see your story and like there'll be a good few people listening to this, so.
1: Where can they get you on social media platforms? So you can get me on Instagram. It's Con Ollie, So C O N M C A U L E Y. Um, I also do have a website, but most of my stuff you will find linked on my Instagram. So I, I definitely recommend you check out, check it out there. Um, and you will be able to find links to my blogs and YouTube there as well.
0: Brilliant, and um, I can say for for myself, I. If it wasn't for Instagram and the two of us, I suppose sharing our own stories, we wouldn't be be doing this interview today. So I'm delighted to to have um to have met you and can call you a friend now. So thanks a million okay. for, for coming on, Connor. And I I know the story's gonna help help people out there struggling and stuff and I know that it's not easy to talk about, but it's great for, for you to get it out there. So thanks a million for, for coming on. Thanks for having me in, cheers. Tell your family and everyone I said Happy New Year and give them my, my my regards, okay?
1: Will do. Same to you and your family, all
0: right? Unfortunately, that is all we have time for. A massive thank you to everyone that tuned in and to everyone for their continuous support. And, of course, to Connor himself for such an open and honest interview. And lastly, to the sponsor of the show, MDO Shays and Killarney. Brian Priestley is up next with That's Jazz. I will be back next week at the usual time of 8 to 9pm. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Standout with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry.